the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. People should be able to look at us and see that something is different inside of us. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilbert. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, Log on to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 27. I entitled this message, Compromise. As you remember, back in the study in Genesis 25, a couple studies ago, Isaac had prayed for his wife, Rebecca, for they had been married for some 20 years, and Rebecca had not been able to have children. She was faced with the same problem as Isaac's mother faced. And what was that? She wasn't able to bear children either. But after he had prayed for his wife, Rebecca, God had opened her womb. And she conceived not just one, but two children. She had twins. And from what Rebecca described was going on inside of her, she says it was like a civil war going on in her womb. These babies were fighting one another. I can't imagine having a baby in the first place, but you ladies get this. But imagine having twins and they're going at it. It was like the octagon. It was like a cage fight inside of her. So she went to the Lord and she prayed about this and God actually spoke to her. She said that the boys inside of her womb represented two different nations and two different people. Now that obviously stuck in Rebecca's heart, hearing that from the Lord himself. For God also told her that the older brother would serve the younger brother. Well, as you know, when the babies were born, the firstborn was named Esau. Now, Esau means hairy one, okay? So the first baby comes out, and this guy is covered with hair. And the second son was born literally just a second behind the first one. In fact, he was hanging on to the heel of Esau. Imagine that. You're the firstborn. How much older are you than your brother? Uh, One second. Well, that's it. That's all it took. But anyway, so he was holding on to his brother's heel, and they named him Jacob, which means heel catcher, but it also has another meaning. It means deceiver. That's kind of odd. And as these two boys grew up, Isaac really loved his son Esau. 
And why is that? Well, I think us men, we, you know, love our sons. We want them to be a little on the tougher side. And and Esau, he was like what you could say was a man's man. He was a hunter. And maybe all the other men around said, man, your son, man, he is like a beast. Man, he gets out there and he hunts big game and all of these things. And, you know, there's probably a little pride attached to that. But yet it says that Rebecca, his wife, loved the younger son, the one second younger son. And that was Jacob, of course. And Jacob, the Bible says, he liked to hang out in the tents with his mother. Maybe he liked to help in the kitchen. Maybe he was like, you know, like to bake a cake or something, you know. So, you know, mama just really loved him. And it didn't take long for Jacob, though, to outsmart his brother Esau. Now, I'm sure that his, a little prompting from his mother, we're going to see about that here in a moment. But as he talked to Esau, he ended up talking him out of his birthright. Esau didn't seem to have a heart, nor the desire to serve God, to be that future leader of his family. Yes, Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of beans. We looked at that in an earlier study. I wonder if any of us have ever sold out our integrity of who God has called us to be as men and women of God for something that was, well, so much less, for something that is temporal, for something that's going to fade away. Well, I'm sure we have. I think I have definitely done things I have not been proud of in my life, that's for sure. But this is why we have this example in the Bible. Things are here and given to us so that we can grow from these things and not make the same mistakes over and over again. See, that we have to purpose in our heart and remind ourselves to do what is right. For we too could allow our own desires to usurp God's eternal plan that he has for you and for me. Yes, in only a moment, we could allow ourselves to step out of God's perfect plan and purpose for us. Just some stupid mistake that we make, and then all of a sudden, it might affect us for longer than you could ever imagine. We ended last time with God's hand of blessing on Isaac and Rebekah's life. He blessed them overwhelmingly, for they listened and obeyed God. That's why he blessed them. Think about that. It wasn't because they claimed something. It wasn't because they embraced some faith teacher. It was because they listened and they obeyed what God had told them to do. And God blessed that obedience. So much so that all the people groups that were around them envied them. And they were even afraid of them. This is a sign of God working in and through our lives as Christians. Not that people are afraid of us, but that people recognize that God is working inside of our lives. Why? Because they can see the blessing hand of God on us. Yet, when we, as Christians, have no discernible signs that separate us from non-believers around us, like when we look like everyone else looks around us, see, something is wrong with that. See, people should be able to look at us and see that something is different inside of us. And if they can't see that, Let me ask you, if they can't see it in your life, 
Why is that? Like if we were to go to your job and where you work and your neighbors and say, hey, hey, what do you think about your Christian and your, I should say, your neighbor that is a Christian? What, what is it about them that really strikes you? And they might say, uh, what? They're a Christian? Huh? Really? Oh, I never knew that. See, that should never be said about you or me. You know, the unsaved world, if they can't see Christ in us, that's really a sad thing. And if you're someone who is bitter, if you're someone who is angry all the time, if you're someone who's lacking joy, like maybe you look like you got baptized in lemon juice or something, it's like, you know, that's not good because our witness for Christ matters in this life. When people look at me, man, the last thing I want them to see is me. I want them to see Christ in me is what I want them to see. So there should be those traits of a believer in us. Not that our lives are perfect, obviously, because none of us are perfect, for we're all subject to the hardships and the pain like everyone else is in this world. And when our circumstances turn sour, and they turn sour at times, trust me, I mean, if everything's going good for you right now, that's great, but it could turn sour at any time. For we will have seasons, as you know, of hardship that we must navigate through as believers. But God has promised to us, and this is what separates us from everyone else in the world, or at least this is what's supposed to separate us, because God will never leave us or forsake us. So when we go through hardships like everyone else goes through hardships, There should be the difference of a joy and a peace in the midst of those hardships, even though we're going through those difficulties in life. The bottom line is we have the message of hope in the midst of these difficulties, and that's what should separate us from everyone else, because I'm not going to walk around like, oh, my goodness, is that six feet? Let me get my tape measure out. Is your mask on over your nose? I'm I'm not going to freak out on people like that. Did I have a mask on? Yes. Do I try to socially distance? Absolutely. But I'm not going to freak out over it. But again, this should be a trait of a true believer. They're not angry. They're not bitter. You know, they're not just having the chip on their shoulder with life and everything that's happened in this year of COVID. But anyway, getting back to where we left off last time with hearing of God's tremendous ongoing blessings in the life of Isaac and Rebecca, but As you remember, when we ended chapter 26, it said that Esau, the eldest son there, had married two unbelieving wives, two women who were not following the Lord and didn't have any desire to have a relationship with him. Yes, in the midst of God overwhelmingly blessing Isaac and Rebekah, the Bible said that Esau brought grief to both of his parents. Yes, things can be going great with our lives on every front, yet that's when the enemy will attack. Remember what Jesus said, the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And sometimes when things are going great with us individually, the devil will attack our children or attack a family member or he'll attack a a close friend of ours. 
Yes, at any moment, things can go into a tailspin this side of heaven. And that's, again, it just confirms what we already know. It is never going to be heaven on earth. It will only be heaven in heaven. And on earth, circumstances can change at any given moment. But thank God, he always holds our futures. When I say our, I mean Christians. True believers, he holds our futures in his hand. And if you're going through a difficult time right now, remember, it's only for a season. It's just a season. And God will get you through this time, no matter what it is. I mean, think about all the other times that you've gone through hardships. Hasn't God got you through? Are you not watching today? Are you not listening to this message? I mean, how many things in your life have turned upside down at times? I know that in my life, many things have turned upside down, but yet God has always been there for me. I've been a believer now for 43 years. That's a long time. It's like, I can't believe it's been that long. But listen, God has never left me. He's never forsaken me. And every time we've gone through valleys, every time we've gone through hardships, every time we've gone through deserts, the Lord has always been there. But now, moving on, as we continue in this study through the book of Genesis, we're going to pick up in Genesis chapter 27. So let's look at our point, the deception starts. Now, this really started back in chapter 25, when Jacob conned his brother Esau, his older brother, by one second out of his birthright. Now, Let's not forget what the Bible said about birthrights. According to Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 17, there would be given a double portion of the full inheritance to the eldest son, even if he was only one second older. Now, it's obvious here in our text that Jacob's mother, Rebecca, was the fire behind this deception. And the trading of the bean soup for Esau's birthright, I think uh, Jacob had a little bit of help on that and his mother telling him that he needs to get that birthright. But this will make even more sense here as we see what's about to happen here in chapter 27. For Isaac's wife, Rebecca, Jacob's mother here, wanted her favorite son, Jacob, the one that would hang out in the kitchen and bake cakes with her, to be the sole inheritor of the blessings from God. And in her defense, God did tell her back in Genesis 25 that the elder son would serve the younger. Now, how would that have happened without Rebecca interfering? Well, guess what? We'll never know (laughs) because Rebecca interfered. You know, she jumped in there. She couldn't wait for God to work it out. Now, look, God told her, but no, she's going to get in there and get her hands dirty in this. For again, normally the birthright would always go to the eldest son. And even though Esau was only a second older than Jacob, Jacob was again the younger brother. You know, but again, Rebecca felt the need. Listen, Rebecca, the mommy here, she felt the need to help God out. Oh, yes, she's going to help God on the promise that God already made to her. Know this God doesn't need any of our help. Did you hear that? God doesn't need our help in any circumstance or in any situation. 
that is happening around us. I wonder how many times that you and me have been guilty of doing the very same thing that Rebecca did. And how many times we end up making it worse because we get involved, causing more heartache, causing more drama, causing more hardship. This is why we cannot allow our lack of patience to bend or try to force the hand of God. I see this all the time. I see it in many different situations. For example, like Christian singles. You're thinking, oh, you're going to pick on the singles again? Don't pick on the singles. Well, I'm not trying to pick on you. I just want to bring out an obvious thing that I've observed in my life here as a pastor. If you're single today, let me ask you this. Do you believe that God created the heavens and the earth? Do you believe that he's the one that made everything? That he is the creator as the Bible says that he is? Let me ask you another question. Do you believe that Jesus Christ came to the earth, was born from a virgin, grew up to be a man, and died on the cross for our sin? Do you believe that as a Christian? You say, well, yeah, absolutely I do. Do you believe that God's promise of heaven is real, that when we die, we're going to go to heaven? Do you believe that? You say, well, of course I am. That's why I'm a believer. That's why I'm a Christian. Okay, good. If so, then, is not God capable, I'm asking you singles, is not God capable of bringing that person into your life? That's the question. Is God not capable of doing that? Is he able to do that? That's the question. Well, of course he is. Of course he's able to. Well, then why do you try to help God so much in making that happen? Is it really just up to us? Are we really the only ones that can find Mr. or Mrs. Perfect? Well, again, the obvious answer is no. It it shouldn't be up to us. Then why do we try and rush the process? Not realizing that by dating whoever you want, jumping from relationship to relationship, and and by doing that, instead of just waiting for the man or the woman that God has for you. Let's read here, beginning in Genesis chapter 27. Of course, we'll pick up in verse 1. It says, now it came about when Isaac was old. Okay, he's old. And his eyes were too dim to see. So he's like half blind here. That he called his older son Esau and said to him, My son, here I am. Verse 2 says, Isaac said, Behold, now I am old and I do not know the day of my death. Now then, please take you know, your gear, your quiver, and your bow, and go out into the field and hunt some game for me and prepare a savory dish for me such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat so that I, my soul, would be blessed before I die. And, of course, he says, uh, and you know, so Rebecca, verse 5, was listening while Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went out to the field to hunt for the game to bring home, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Behold, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, saying, Bring me some game and prepare a savory dish for me, that I might eat and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, listen to me. I command you, go now to the flock and bring me two choice young goats from there, and I may prepare them as a savory dish for your father." such as he loves. Then you shall bring it in to your father that he may eat so that he may bless you before his death, obviously, and not Esau. 
Verse 11, Jacob answered his mother, Rebekah, well, behold, Esau, my brother, he's a hairy man. And I'm a smooth man. I don't have the hair that he has. Perhaps my father will fill me. See, he knew his dad's eyesight was bad, but maybe he'll touch me and fill me, and I will be as a deceiver in his sight, and I will bring upon myself a curse and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, Your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go get them for me. So he went and he got them and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory food such as his father loved. Wow. Well, that's a lot of text there. But let's pull it apart here. See, nothing like telling your son how to compromise with his faith. Do you see what's happening here? It's like, let me tell you, son, here, follow your mother here, and let me tell you how to compromise in your faith. Now, as parents, we should never underestimate ever the influence on our children. So here's a question for Rebecca. And maybe, just maybe, it's a question for some of you listening to this message today. Here's the question. Wasn't God good for his word. If he said Esau was going to serve his younger brother by one second, Jacob, wouldn't that have happened? Wouldn't it have happened somehow, some way? If God told Rebecca that the older is going to serve the younger, don't you think God could have made it happen? Yet maybe Rebecca thought, well, God forgot. I have to help God out here as she was snooping in on her husband's conversation with Esau. Yes, we've all been guilty of helping the Lord out here. But why? I think because ultimately we want our way. We want our will to be done. Back to you singles. You're like, what are you picking on the singles for? I'm sorry, just hang with me on this. He's going to bring someone into your life that you will be attracted to, but someone who is the perfect mate for you. Plus, does God work in our time frame? Well, my experience, no. He does not work in our time frame. God never seems to work in my time frame. Why? Because we want it sooner than later, don't we? I mean, face it, we are pretty impatient. We hate to wait. We don't like waiting. I go to In-N-Out. I love In-N-Out. I mean, it's like my favorite burgers are a three-by-three. I try three patties, three slices of cheese, animal style, chopped chilies, and whole grill. That's right. And it's like, so In-N-Out is not so much In-N-Out. It's in, wait for a little while, and then you go out, okay? It doesn't happen real quick. The lines are always long there and everything. But it's always so good, and it's always the same, and it's their quality level is so good. But the point is, it's like we're impatient. Like, hey, what did you have to do? Did you have to go slaughter the cow? I mean, didn't you already have the cow slaughtered before I got here? What's taking so long here? I mean, but we are just impatient. But the Bible tells us in Psalm 62.5, he says, My soul waits in silence for God only, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. So remember, part of praying is willing to wait for the Lord. You're asking the Lord for something. Now, part of that prayer is the willingness to say, God, I trust you in this, and I'm willing to wait for your will over my will. Listen, slower is faster. 
You can sit there and say, no, you know, I'm back to you singles again. You're like, stop picking on the singles already. But listen, it's like you can go date this person, date that person, date that person, date that person, which could be prolonging God bringing the right person in your life. So if you would have just waited in the first place, maybe God would have brought that person. Or if you would have allowed God to do the tempering work that he wants to do in you, it could have happened maybe much faster. But understand, God in his foreknowledge knew that Harry that is Esau here, had no desire for spiritual things. Esau showed his true spiritual roots by marrying two heathen women from the pagan Hittites. You can always tell how spiritual someone is by who that person hangs out with. If they're always with non-believers, if they're always with people with questionable walks with the Lord, they're always going to places where their faith is semi-compromised, what does that tell you about their personal relationship with God? Yes, Esau's marriage brought grief to Isaac and Rebekah, his parents. In the original Hebrew language, that means that it brought a bitterness and a troubled spirit inside of them. I wonder if we have caused trouble to those around us by allowing sin into our lives. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilbur of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789 Los Angeles, California 90034. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.